The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. Sometimes it can be fun to walk down memory lane for a little bit, and this last week I was reminded of a good memory from my younger years of grade school. Myself and a good friend were always up to some kind of mischief. We were scheming on the playground, and after hatching a rather probably notorious scheme, I remember looking at him, we promised that if we got caught, we would not turn each other in. This kind of a promise was so sacred that we knew that a verbal promise wasn't enough, so we raised our hands and linked pinkies, and we pinky swore. We knew that sacred bond of pinky promise would keep us from turning each other in. Now, okay, so this is a way in which we could understand a way of promise or covenant. I don't know why it holds such power over children. I think when I was younger, I thought that it meant that if he broke his side of the covenant, I got to break his pinky, and vice versa. Maybe that's why I didn't shake a lot of hands when I was younger. But I think this gives us an understanding of the idea of what a covenant is. It's more than a pinky promise for sure, but it shares something in common. Because the reality is that when God formed a covenant with Noah and Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the way through to Christ and us today, it means something very beautiful and something very real. A covenant is a two-way street where both sides agree to certain terms to uphold their side of the covenant. If either side fails, the covenant fails. It's something really important, something that was going on throughout all of human history. And we saw in our first reading how God formed that covenant with Noah. After mankind had rejected God, God destroyed them in a flood, but kept them alive through Noah and his kids. And he promised, I'll never do that again. Gave his testament as the rainbow in the sky. So God's side of the covenant was, I'll never destroy you for disobeying me again. Our side is, is to not disobey him again. Well, we know how the story goes of salvation history, we failed. So God forms a new covenant with us in Abraham. We fail. With Isaac, we fail. With Moses, we fail. Do you see how this continues throughout salvation history? God continually comes to us. He gives us mercy. He does not fulfill the justice of the covenant. And he forms a new one with us. I want to point out one of those covenants in particular because it helps us understand why Lent is so important and why God's love is so great. And it's the promise the covenant that he formed with Abraham. Now when he, God called Abraham out of Ur to form his people to be, have descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea, he made a covenant according to the means and ways of the Old Testament. 
Now back in those days, when two kings formed a treaty, they would often cut an animal in half, both walk through those two halves, as if saying, if I break this covenant, may I be slaughtered like these animals, cut in half with my blood running all over the ground. A very visceral and real way to see this is a real promise, a true covenant. Well, when God made a covenant with Abraham, he instructed him to cut open a bull, a she-goat, a sheep, and some birds. Lay them out so that God and Abraham could walk through those and form a covenant. Abraham fell asleep, and in his dream, a flaming pot and a torch walked through those animals. God formed a covenant with mankind and Abraham, but he knew we couldn't fulfill it. He knew that we were not strong enough to uphold our side, so God walked through on our behalf. God walked through for himself and for us, as if saying, If I fail, may I become like these slaughtered animals. And then to further say, If you should fail, Abraham, or your descendants, may I, God, be slaughtered like these animals. That didn't make sense until the time of Christ. When God himself took on flesh, became like one of us in all things, and then took our place, fulfilling justice. As St. Peter said, Christ suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous, that he might lead you to God. Our Lord Jesus Christ has taken our place in that moment of justice. He has suffered the death that we deserve by our sins. He's paid back a price that we could never pay on our own. That's the beautiful covenantal love of God. Even though he has never failed us and we continually fail him, he has paid the price for us. He's loved us to such an extent that he's done all things for us. But he knew that if he just gave us that gift, we'd become like spoiled children. Right? If you give a child a gift without ever asking them to sacrifice for it, they become spoiled rotten. Well, God didn't want that to happen to us. He'd seen it too many times before. So instead of just offering us salvation and not doing anything else beyond that, he invites us to cooperate with that very act of redemption, to unite our offerings, our sacrifices, our gifts to his. You see, that's why we come here every weekend to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That's why it's renewed on our altars day in and day out. It's not because it wasn't enough yesterday. It's not because Jesus Christ hasn't died and it wasn't good enough for us, so we have to kill him again and again. The reality is, is he died once and for all, and that's enough. His one death satisfies all sin throughout all of creation and time and history. The reality is, is that application of that sacrifice to our hearts and our souls is incomplete. We have sins that need to be redeemed, and though they have been redeemed, the blood of Christ has not been applied. So we come back weekend after weekend after weekend, hopefully receiving more fully from the one sacrifice of Christ at this altar. You see, all of this is summarized in our very practice in the liturgy of the Mass, especially in the offertory. I mean, listen to the prayer that the priest prays as he lifts up the bread and the wine at the offertory. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. And again with the wine. 
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. God knows we have nothing to give him without first his gift to us. We bring bread and wine, but that itself is not ours. It's first his, that he gives to us to offer. God knows that without him we can do nothing good, but with him we can do amazing things. And so we have to recognize the place and the power of God's gifts to us so that we can offer those to him. Because that's the beauty of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, is here you are invited to bring all of your Lenten sufferings, all of your Lenten sacrifices, the renewal of your will united to God's will here at this altar. And let Christ be the perfect sacrifice that you unite it to. So where does this come into play in Lent? Lent is only a few days old at this point. But the question is, have you already failed in your promises? Have we already kind of slacked off a little bit? Maybe we've let go of a few things already. And then we get hard on ourselves, and that failure leads to a bigger failure, which leads to another one, so on and so forth. But let me ask you this one question. My brothers and sisters, who is responsible for your holiness? Who's responsible for your success this Lent? Ultimately, who is responsible for your salvation? To put it another way, with whom did you form a covenant in your baptism? Was it your parents, your friends, your spouse, yourself? It was none of these. That covenant was formed between you and God. It's God who is ultimately responsible for your salvation. It's He who has taken the full responsibility of your salvation. And so often we end up failing and we end up failing over and over and over again because we think we're responsible. We think it all depends on me. My brothers and sisters, until you're willing to let God give you the strength to be the saint He's called you to be, it's not going to happen because only He can make that happen. He's walked through those carcasses on your behalf. He has died on a cross for your sake. Will you let him be your savior this Lent? Will you let him love you the way he wants to love you this Lent? With all of your failures, with all of your sorrows, with all of your joys. You see, my brothers and sisters, he came and he died on a cross so as to prove to you your worth. If we could get that message this Lent, this would be a good Lent. Let us allow our Lord Jesus Christ to prove to us that worth that is ours. And may this Lent be something that is truly fruitful, so that we understand that unconditional covenantal love that God has offered to each of us. So will you let God love you this Lent?